Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Movie Ticket Monday. I'm Justin alongside my co-host Matt today, and today we're going to be evaluating the phenomenal film Interstellar, directed by Christopher Nolan. Came out in 2014, the film stars Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain, Michael Caine, Mackenzie Foy, John Lithgow, Bill Irwin, and a little bit of a special guest from Matt Damon. The film won one Oscar for Best Visual Effects, but it had four other nominations, and the sound is by the great Hans Zimmer. So to kick things off today, Matt, what's your one word for the film? My one word is holy dash fuck. (laughs) That's my one word. I don't know if it counts as one word. Okay. But that's my one word. So what's yours? Threw the dash in there. I think we can count it. My one word is... Actually, I have two words. It's awe-inspiring. All right. Hyphenated that awe-inspiring. We'll hyphenate. One word. Throw the hyphen in. (laughs) So overall, aside from the one word, what what did you think? I absolutely love this movie. Um, This is up there. This might be – it's probably my second favorite movie behind The Dark Knight. Um, wow. Yeah. Praise. Yeah. Yeah. High praise. I mean, I, I've seen this film several times. Every single time I watch it, it gets better and better because there is so much to dissect here. This film takes on the scientific approach. It tries to tackle the space-time continuum. It incorporates time travel, all the while having this very powerful emotional connection uh, uh, that underscores this highly adventurous film. It's a modern rendition of like a space odyssey um, or, or crossing the, the Atlantic Ocean for the first time and discovering America. Um, it, it has a crisis. It has a powerful, I mean, the scenes in this film are incredible. They're jaw dropping. And if you look, we'll discuss it, but if you take a look at how Christopher Nolan actually produced this film, um, with the shots, the sequences, he tried to not use CGI and it is so obvious, um, with, with some of the shots that they have. And I mean, it, it's, I, I love this film. I could watch it again and again. And I think every single time I would find a new thing that will make my jaw drop. So this was the first time I watched it. And I do think this is a film that you do have to watch multiple times, which, um, I've heard other Christopher Nolan's are, are something similar. His movies, just you got to watch them a few times to fully either get it or fully appreciate it. I think the most intriguing part for me was the fact that it had the science to it. And truthfully, I don't know much about black holes. I love them. I think they're really cool and I would like to. I don't spend enough time, but... I don't know if the science is correct with what they were talking about. I, I'd like to say I thought it was at least serviceable for the film. I think it was right. So to that point, and I mean, we, we can get into this, but I mean, Christopher Nolan had um, this like physicist be the co-producer on it. And basically going into it, the, the physicist, I'll find his name in a minute, basically had the notion saying to Christopher Nolan, if I'm going to be on this, it's going to be rooted in science. And so like no one's been in a black hole. No one's been in a wormhole. No one's been in any of these things, but they literally did scientific equations to derive what these things would look like. That um, is dope. Yeah. One, one really cool part about this, the physicist who I'm trying to find his name basically got three different research reports published as a result of the research that went into the production that underscored the CGI when they're going into the black hole. Like that's sick. 
That's yeah. so freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, so so like, that it's makes it even better. I, I, I figured it was. I figured it was at least, um, arguably, more or less correct. But aside from that fact, I loved how it was about science, which I love those those type of films where they really kind of delve into a little bit of the science. Because in a, in an alternate universe, an alternate life, I would have loved to try to be a physicist or something dealing with his stuff. So to the me, guy, it was awesome. yeah, the guy's name is Kip Thorne. Um, and okay. he's an American theoretical physicist known for his contributions in gravitational physics and astrophysics. That's a longtime cool. friend of Stephen Hawking and Carl Sagan, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's, he's basically advised on several films um, in addition to this Nolan film. And so Steve, like, that's so Stephen cool. Hawking's the first name that comes to mind. When yeah. I first yeah. saw this film. I'm like, this is right up his alley. But for me, aside from the science, which is just so cool, it, it like makes me feel like a kid again. The bigger wow factor for me was the fact that he took such a complex notion and complex idea that we can't grasp yet. And he simplified it into the terms of family and what you would do for a loved one. And that for me was the main focus and point of what he was trying to perceive in this film. Rather than the science, I think the science was awesome and almost backed it up to a degree of the lengths that he would go to. But to me, in the end, you watch the whole thing. And I thought that his point was, what would you sacrifice to save and help the people you love in your family and outside your family, just anyone you love, rather than this crazy space? I mean, it was a crazy space odyssey yeah. and, and yeah. trip, but that's what it was. It was a family love, heartstrings, emotional movie. And, and so, like, the reason that I'll throw this in there as being, like, one of my favorite movies ever is, you know, you can have films that are, like, jaw-dropping, really good plot. This film, across every single line item that you need to hit, killed it. The shots that they use, the acting that they have, the directing capabilities, the sound from Hans Zimmer makes this film. Every single time that you feel a tear-jerk, developing it's because the sound is underscoring incredible acting and like that's why i love this film is it has the great plot i mean the plot's fantastic it really makes you think but there's so much more to it and i, I don't think that i can think of another film that captures the importance of sound in a movie more so than this specific film I, I can't think of one unless maybe the Lion King, like which has a killer soundtrack. But like, you know, this is background music basically, and it drives the, not even music; it's background noise, kind of. That's that, but it drives the emotional attachment that you have to this film. And that's key for me. I, I would say it drives the emotional aspect of the characters and what they're going through. Yeah. and I, I I agree with all of that, no question. Now statement that i want to make and you are not gonna like it that much this is not my hot take but i thought it was the greatest film i've ever seen up until they go to the planet where matt damon's on and then it kind of drops off for me so if we take that first i don't know what it was an hour and a half or so maybe More, almost yeah. Even, yeah hour and a half hour what five. don't you like about it there were a few things the only thing that i could come up with for that first hour and a half that I thought was the greatest ever was I did want to see or have an explanation of what happened to earth 
He doesn't go into it. He doesn't explain it at all. And I think it would help the characters, especially Matthew McConaughey, of his reasoning why he has to do it. Because all you know is, you know, Earth's doomed, but why is it doomed? And I think if if they explained it and McConaughey had his character had a role in it or or had something happen to his family, he lost some people, I think that would have made it more emotional for me. So that, that's a small point, and I understand. That's the only thing I could figure out. I would have liked to know. I think that would have helped the story. Uh, I think they the do explain character. it, though. I mean, I mean, they tell you the dust, you know, and they're not able to grow crops anymore. I mean, they have the line where, okay, we can only grow corn. We can't grow potatoes now. You know, they, they do walk through that a little bit. I, I guess I just never have watched this film, and I, that satisfied it for me because this film isn't about that it's it's a three-hour film as it is and you're right it is not about that but at the same time it does come up just a few times certainly the beginning and you see it uh, throughout until he leaves kind of the place they're in the baseball game the dust and then also when uh the son grows up who's played by casey affleck when he's an adult uh, and the respiratory kind of what he's having to go through correct the respiratory issues and kind of why all that happened. I know 6 billion of the 7 billion people died in the world, at least if I recall correctly. And I would have liked to know how that happened. I I don't think I fully believe they just somehow everything turned to dust and dirt and they couldn't grow anything productive. That's a little slight. I, I don't think that was I just I, I, But that's just a small piece. You, small you, do, you do this. You do this. You, you grab onto some things and like. I, I respect it. I just don't. I don't see why. Minutes, if it was just the first ten or fifteen minutes, I would. They kind of do that though. They but, put you in the scenery so you're able to see what's deteriorating. The why could be freaking climate change. It could be you name six what. Six of seven billion people died. That is a pretty astronomical number, and I you run think out of food. Worthy of explanation of some sort. Maybe, and that that could come down to. I mean, Christopher Nolan is known for biting off big chunks and. Like this film, as it is, is a massive chunk <laughs> to 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 it's, try it's and true, tackle. And again, um, just a small piece. That's fair. And you're learn you're yearning for something. I'll respect it. I was yearning for. A I, bit. I I've never felt that from this film. Yeah. But yeah. And again, not my hot take. The ending. And I I don't I'm not. This gonna is say your I'm hot take. No no no. This is not uh, my hot take. I'm gonna say that um, the ending was kind of cheeky, and I absolutely love the fact that. In the end, McConaughey pushes out the books to tell himself to stay and don't go from what the daughter reads him in bed before he leaves. I think that was so great. That, I think, was my one of my greatest moments, if not the greatest moment of a, oh, wow, that is like connecting the beginning to the end in such a way where you didn't expect it. But I think the way he maybe could have gone about it a little better was explaining. And the big thing for me was... The gravitational pull, they always kind of just assume that it's, I don't know if it's like an extraterrestrial or some alternate force out there. And they, they to me, they don't do an explanation of what it is or what's if, happening. If there is one, if there is one critique that I could come up with for this film, it is exactly that. This film chalks up the, it's them to... A future being that they they don't explain um and the concept is it's a future being that is way more developed and is coming back in time 
basically because they can travel between dimensions. But without you know, pinpointing to, to specific the times. To me, it's kind of right, like right. time and space, and they can see it, which is why they need McConaughey to go and pinpoint when he needs to be. Yeah. But, and, like, I've read about stuff. It, it's almost as if, like, you could – some have chalked up being, like, uh, you could view them as, like, God or, like, some extra – you know, some some greater being, some deity, or some extraterrestrial, whatever you want it to be. But you're right. I mean, that's the only hole in this film. And for what it bit off, in terms of what it was trying to communicate, like I think that's fair because I don't. I think it's better you leave that open ended. We don't know what it is than to say this is an well, alien. This is me, from a billion years in the I future. I could be very off, but just from my recollection of the film, it sounds like humans evolved enough to be able to figure that out and then mcconaughey goes back that's what but i think it is yeah my if if that's kind of what he was going for my biggest critique and what doesn't make sense to me is this you know the space-time continuum we're going back to back to the future here with doc brown if if they <laughs> evolved which means they survived that long there should be no reason why he has to go back to get them off the planet Earth. So it, right. that part didn't make sense. But that's where the bigger brain comes in is if you're able to travel in those dimensions and really transcend time. Um, so I, I get what you're saying, basically. You're saying. I, yeah, I get what you're saying. You're saying, basically, they had to get off of Earth to set up the opportunity for someone to go into the future to then correct, come back correct. in time to and get them off the Earth. Case, it's kind of a paradox. And essence right. didn't need to take the trip because humanity was saved. Right. Right. And, and that's where I think why they chalk it up to it's them. It's some future being, whatever you want to call it, basically. Because, I, 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 right, like you can, it's a paradox. You can't explain and, and that. It, it's literally, it's like an Excel loop function where, you know, you're trapped. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. So to me, yeah. I, um, I, I did want a little more out of that. I think he did fine with what he had. I think... For how much time he kind of spent the explanation of something or even if he flat out said like we don't know but they're out there watching over us i think even would have been better and also why in the blazes of hell does murph the daughter so they they find mcconaughey in space with very little oxygen right when he gets out of the black hole by saturn and they pick him up why in the hell does do they wait like 60 some odd years for him to wake up in the hospital on their new uh, civilization by Saturn? Why couldn't he have woken up when the daughter was 50, 60 or actually up and moving? Correct me if I'm wrong here, but they discovered him when she was already super old. And the issue was a function of time continuum not being equal across worlds right when they go down onto the planet with all of the water and it takes what they're down there for 23 years i think well, when he comes that there's more of that i mean matt damon's planet the the i'm sure the black hole throws in time i, I don't that's a good question actually i've never thought about that to me he yeah, okay, let's let's go off the fact that it is 23 years later. Humanity's still doomed. Like the people are still on planet Earth. They haven't come out. So at some point they have to go find him. And I'm no genius, but I can't imagine he has oxygen for like decades. At least 6 decades in his tank. So to me, I think they got out there and he just is in a coma of whatever for like 6 years. And I think it would have been better if she was younger. 
Not like real young, but I'm talking like 50s, 60s with maybe a grandkid or a kid. I think it would have had a better. I was expecting a great grand reunion from them. And all you see is her at her deathbed, him saying, you you know, him telling her you did it. You saved me. And that was it. And he walks out. I was expecting more. See, I thought I, that I, was the big reveal at the end. And it, it let me. Know. I think her saying and that end sequence. I told them that you would come back to me. You know, my father came back to me. I think setting up the opportunity for her to say that in that moment when she's about to die, it, it takes her life full circle because he leaves when she's super young, what, 10 years old, maybe. And then he comes back when she's super old. Um, and it's the, it's the whole concept of kind of following that, that, that circular format of, 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 life cycle in this movie and I, I think it creates a perfect opportunity because that's the issue and that's where you get the emotional attachment in this movie is matthew mcconaughey's race against time he is doing everything that he can in this film to get back to her before she dies or before earth you know is doomed yeah. kills everyone who's on it yeah and so having her on her deathbed i think reinforces that and like I'm not going to lie. Like I shed tears in this movie every time I watch it. And when she says at the end, my father came back to me like that combined with the Hans Zimmer score that that's behind it just like really creates a powerful emotional sequence. And I think it's more powerful than if she was 60, for example, and they were that, able to that spend a lot of days. I can see that. I, um, I, I just disagree. I had some water yeah. in my eyes when he was saying goodbye to Murph at the beginning. I didn't cry at the end. I didn't have any water when, when he said goodbye to her when she was dying. I did when Murph refused to say goodbye. I was kind of young. I was like, you, you idiot. I know she's 10 years old, but I was like, come on. You know something is either probably going to go wrong somewhere along the line. You got to say goodbye. Uh, and she didn't. And that there, 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 there's three moments. It's, it's that one you just highlighted. It's the end. And then also when he's watching, when Matthew McConaughey gets off of the all water planet and he's watching the video clips of 23 years that his son and daughter sent him and he's literally crying like that is such a powerful acting sequence that he has there. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, I don't even think there's a Hans Zimmer score behind that one. Like it's just raw raw, and you feel his pain and his emotion. And that's a testament to Matthew McConaughey's capabilities. That's fair. You know? That's fair. So the one one thing I, I do want to highlight here, if I will, well, on the on the concept of sound and everything. So Hans Zimmer, you know, most people know him. He's he's done a lot of famous films. He did Inception with Christopher Nolan. This is an interesting little tidbit um, about how he developed the score, um, and, and in what way. So Christopher Nolan chose not to provide Zimmer with a script or any plot details for writing the film's music, but instead gave the composer a single page that told the story of a father leaving his child for work. It was through this connection that Zimmer created the early stages of the Interstellar soundtrack. Holy hell. Zimmer and Nolan later decided that they would use a 1926 four manual organ <laughs> for the primary instrument. Like, like that's, wow. that's, a that's nuts to me. That, that you can... I mean, I'm sure as you get into development and everything, you see the film and, you know, when the sound gets thrown in and everything. But, like, to start developing developing it off of that premise should tell you all that you really need to know about the intention for this film and what Nolan was trying to convey. He wanted that emotional connection. It's not, uh, it's not a soundtrack 
that is accompanied with exploration as much as it is. It's a soundtrack that wants you to sit there, think, and feel Which something why I on think an emotional level. The movie was that um, emotional family. Yeah. What did you do for your loved ones? Yeah. And yeah. I, I think, I, I guess another point for me of kind of a, um, a critique was gravity in the movie was such a big point of why they could do all these things, you know, go back in time at the end, how they could do the S you know, the Morse code in towards the beginning of the location of NASA and, and all these other things. When I think what he should have maybe been pointing to is time. I think time should have played a bigger role and time plays a role when he's there for, you know, the 23 years and stuff like that. But I think, gravity was kind of just a little too far out there for me and i think playing time into that would have been a little better small thing yeah and i mean that's a fair critique of this film is is it does take off a lot to a lot to deal you know to analyze basically and to your point though is gravity like the final solution kind of is gravity mixed with time i mean think about when they go to these planets and one hour is seven years on earth that's time because of the different gravitational pull as they're outside of like the black hole. And so like, I think it's a fair critique of this film in, in that this is not a film that you just sit down and like, all right, let's, let's, you know, let's have two hours and some entertainment. Like it requires you to think. And I remember the first time I saw this, you're Googling trying to explain how the, the extra dimension works and how the ending wraps together. Um, so I think I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I think that same thing, though, of it being a critique for that is the reason this film is so good. That's fair. And and maybe, maybe he did want that that critique aspect so people could could discuss it and uh, give certain viewpoints. But that was just kind of what I thought. Again, small thing. Certainly doesn't damper my, my overall final yeah. number that I give this film. But Let me ask you. So you've had like two critiques. What do you really freaking like about this film? You said the first hour and a half may have been the best you've yeah. ever seen. What do you really, really like about I it? I love, to me, my favorite part and what made me feel like a kid was half science, half emotional love of family and how he perfectly, absolutely perfectly intertwined them, taking the possibly the biggest complexity that is known to us humans, wormholes, black holes, um, trans-dimensional travel. And he puts it so simply in the form of what would you do for your loved ones? And that's that's my theme for this film. And that's what I'm going to say multiple times throughout this, this podcast episode is to me, it was above and beyond 100% what McConaughey did and sacrificed to save not only planet Earth, but his family. And just below that, almost, again, very close to identical, but just below it, is the science aspect. And I love science. I was fairly good in science, much better than English. And I just like that thought process and what possibly can be in the universe. And especially for the fact that you said that that all that science was fact and very well thought out from the physicist, that makes it even better in my eyes. And you're completely correct about Hans Zimmer. And it was so simple, so elegant, and yet... I think you're right. It it showed the emotions better than any film I've ever seen, especially for how simple the soundtrack was. Some even just the basic rumbling in in the 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 movie that I watched in my speaker system 
of the ship and the wind kind of coming in some of those ducks from outer space. It was all just so pure, so great. You felt like you were in the movie and you had a stake in if McConaughey survived or not. Going to the creativity of the sound that you highlighted, I I have it highlighted specifically in my notes. When they're taking off and there's ever a shot sequence that takes you out of um, the, the, the Ranger, the Endurance, whatever they're in, it goes to dead silence so many times. And there's one shot when they're ditching the the ring, whatever, the the detaching the one part that helped them mm-hmm. take off, basically. I don't know how this crap works, but the first, when it takes the, off, the first engine any of the explosions, off. the first engine that fell off, thank you. With these explosions, it's dead silence in the shot. And it's, I mean, that's what happens, right? No oxygen in space, all of this stuff yeah, and everything, but no sound yeah yeah the way that it it transfers like that from dead silence to you're in the spaceship they're talking like really puts you in there you're there you're in the spaceship with them um yeah it's sick it's so cool that's so true and and the shots itself i'd echo everything you just said i think we could talk about the shots itself for at least 10 minutes because the takeoff was one of my favorite parts because you're right it was dead silent towards the end there and they didn't do a whole lot of camera work yet you could see the sweat the intensity that those guys were doing and there were some up close shots of mcconaughey and hathaway and the other two guys in the back and i absolutely loved and i don't know you said he doesn't like doing cgi and i assume the actual like the end part was cgi it had to be but so yeah, that's the uh, the black hole and the wormhole. We're we're going through that. We're okay. CGI, and that's where they ran. I'll, I'll yeah. find it. I'll see if but, I can dig it up. They ran this algorithm to figure. It was oh, nuts. oh anyway, what it would be that's to so like cool. cal- to calculate what it looks like, and that was the foundation that, for this physicist's new oh research God, papers. Yeah, so, the computing power is like terabytes and terabytes Jesus. of data. It's so, so cool. that make, that makes yeah. it better, in fact. But I was gonna say that CGI that he used. One of the best I've ever seen. I oh, think um, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever watched Ant Man, but Ant Man has some great CGI in it as well. Some of the Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Some of the top I've ever seen in movies. This was also top four, top five, along with Ant Man. Unbelievable. Like him, him getting to the point of like not wanting to use CGI. I have like mad respect oh, yeah. for. And so the Ranger, the Endurance, and the Lander spacecraft were created using miniature effects by Nathan Crowley in collaboration with a special effects company, as opposed to using computer generated imagery. And so when they're doing in the scene, when they're spinning in circles, right, he's trying to line up the the rotation. So after Matt Damon causes Uh, it to explode on the endurance and, and McConaughey is trying to match the rotation. Like it seems like real bits are flying off of it. It makes it feel real when, when these ships connect and it shows those claws try and, overlap on the tunnel that connects the two ships it feels real because it is real <laughs> um and it's so much better than yeah, cgi and i think you pinpointed it there because i was just like why do i feel like i'm in the middle of this movie which i i can tell you probably less than three or five times i felt that in a film and that must be it like he didn't do cgi you could you could tell that you felt there i will say um another aspect that i was not not a fan of and this is again not my hot take but right up there with i was not happy with it was when Anne hathaway and mcconaughey were telling matt damon not to open the air duct that's all they said they com- 
continued to say, don't open the air duct, don't open the air duct, on and on. And in that circumstance, every single person would say, don't open the air duct because you will blow up. Everyone says what the cause is. I think he said, he said that to once. her. I think Anne Hathaway says it once. Dan. Right as he was pulling yeah. it. And I don't know why you wouldn't say it when his calm was on at the very beginning because McConaughey said it probably seven or eight times without what the yeah. cause was. And to me, if you're not telling me what the outcome is, there's no reason to listen to you. And that that just pissed me off. I, I was not happy yeah. with that. No person in their yeah. world does not say what the outcome could be if you're telling someone not to do something. So I was not happy with That's that. That's fair. But. One one last thing on the on the CGI, and this is the part that's that's nuts. Um, so to create the visual effects for the wormhole and rotating the black hole, um, you know, blah blah blah. The the physicists they collaborated with the special effects team, providing pages of deeply sourced theoretical equations to the engineers, who then wrote new CGI rendering software based on these equations to create accurate simulations of the gravitational lensing caused by these phenomena. <laughs> Some individual frames took up to 100 hours to render, totaling 800 terabytes Jesus. of data. Thorne described the accretion disk of the black hole as, um, you know, low temperature getting in the scientific side of it. And then here's the best part <laughs> is the resulting visual effects provided Thorne, one of the physicists, with new insight into the gravitational lensing and accretion disks surrounding black holes, resulting in the publication of three scientific oh, papers. Wow. That's bananas. Holy, holy shit. Isn't that so freaking that so, cool? That so cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes me so, I mean, and so like that even adds an authenticity that, to the CGI that makes it infinitely, oh, better, infinitely better than better. any of the Star Wars prequels hey, out here, hey, you know? <laughs> hey, one day, one day. But, but to your point about, about you felt like you were there, when they're using these miniature objects, it reminds me of like, the original A New Hope before Star Wars A New Hope before they redid it. And at the end, nowadays, it's CGI for the X-Wing fighters. But in the original, it was the real, real deal. And it felt more legit. George Lucas was using the actual X-Wing, um, even though it was the size of my hand. Um, and so that same concept, when you apply it to this film, is really cool. And, and the only final thought I have with that is while CGI is used for the black hole sequences and stuff like that, the fact that it's rooted in scientific equations that probably none, neither of us have any idea what what's going on makes it even even cooler. I I wholeheartedly and, agree. And that's, uh, that's yeah, dope. so one one other thing. Um, sorry, one other fun fact. Just little little tidbit is this film starts out with interviews of older people. They're talking about kind of the Dust Bowl, and it finishes with them as well. And these these interviews are actually they're real normal people um, who lived through the Dust Bowl in the 1930s in the U.S. And the interviews are pulled from a documentary called The Dust Bowl that aired, I believe, in 2012. And so it's real people talking about real Dust Bowl oh, experiences. Um, and it just, that that's like another, it's so minor, but like stuff like that hits it home in this film. It puts you legitimately there. <laughs> that That's true. And I think the authenticity makes it, clearly that much better but you know more things are going yeah. into it he cared he didn't just want to put something out that he didn't research he didn't want to make you feel like you were there which goes a long way to saying who christopher right. nolan as a director is compared to some Absolutely. of the other people yep. out there at least yep. that's to me so yeah that that's so cool though for me 
even through the entire film, even some of the parts I thought could have been explained better, I didn't really like. I was I was actually on the edge of my seat. My back was hurting because I was there so often. Because you're leaning over, you're like, oh my god, is the ship going to blow up? Are they going to get off the, the water planet with that giant wave? Which I thought was mm-hmm. a, such a cool sequence. Um, especially when they were going down yep. the other side of the wave and they just had that uh, that speed was just pure. Yeah, so, th- I mean, there were small things and it must be how he directs his films of trying to leave a little open-ended but also connecting kind of beginning and end, especially with that end of, of the stay. And th- yeah. that, that was my favorite. That's that's I'm going to say that on record that when he pushes it out, when you realize he's the guy who pushes out that message for Murph and it says stay, he's telling yeah. himself to stay. I think that's the coolest like revert. I literally have written here like film. trying to save just, your older self, older self. Yeah. Yep. Which is almost like back yeah. to the future, which he doesn't have to save himself, but it's like the same concept, which is so cool. Yep. Now, just off the top, does have you ever heard of a girl's <laughs> name being Murph or Murphy? I've never. I don't think so. Actually. I was Murph. Eh, maybe. I I, I didn't kind of know. It. Maybe Murph? it's because of this film. I see. I don't know anyone called. <laughs> Which you Murph have seen it. Murphy. So ding ding ding. Your last name. I I don't yeah. either. I, I didn't even know that was a woman's name, but I thought it was kind of cool. It's yeah. it's a fun. Little well, well, that's rooted like in the, the Murphy's Law phenomenon. That's no coincidence. Oh, he yep. called. He that's named her she, after because at the law. beginning she goes like, oh, "Why did you so call cool me? Too. You know, you named me after Murphy's Law, which is an adage, basically." Meaning anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Oh, I th- I thought he he mentioned because he said Murphy's Law. Yeah, I didn't I didn't catch on that he named her after her. I thought she just wanted right. to know what Murphy's Law right. was, and she didn't know at that point. But I mean, for a ten year old to be that scientific yeah. knowledge is so cool. I enjoyed seeing yeah. that aspect of her, and I thought that those those kids, specifically Murph, unbelievable job acting. I mean. I don't know how old she actually was in real life, but she couldn't have been much more than 12. I th- yeah, at so, most. Unreal. That departure scene is, is gut-wrenching. Un- un- and unreal. Matthew McConaughey does a great job, but, he I does. mean, Murph's, I don't know what her name is, the actress, but she's incredible yeah, so for so young. Yeah. And, and like you said, McConaughey, unreal. Honestly, I think he's my man crush. Everyone, every guy's got I'm one. I'm with you, I th- dude. I think I've read his autobiography. If oh, it, oh, see, I'm not there yet. But maybe insert advert. We must be at like the first date of a man crush type of thing with me and him. You're you're past that. You might be on insert there. advertisement that no one is paying us for. You should check out his book called Green Lights. It's really freaking good. Honestly, but I anyway, might read it now. I think it's I'm it's good. It. I recommend. That was not an advertisement, by the way. We're to not quite. Wife, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> not quite yet. <laughs> to my future wife, you have uh, some competition from what yeah, is he babe. now? Late forties, maybe even early. You might be fifty 50s. something. Yeah, Texas you have governor some competition with another man. I'm, I'm yeah. just throwing that out there. <laughs> All right. So what what was your what was your like one scene or one point of the movie that you like loved? So I've 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 two. Um, okay. One I have written here. The entire docking scene when Matt Damon goes and tries to dock onto the Endurance, and you have the explosion. He gets sucked out into outer space, and there's no sound. And then the coolest sequence, I think, out of any movie I have ever seen is when Matthew McConaughey is flying to line up his ship's rotation with that of the Endurance. The sound that is used, the acting capabilities as 
Anne Hathaway goes unconscious and Matthew McConaughey is there like getting whipped to the side basically with his head. I mean, it, it is visually and, and I guess audibly so overwhelmingly awesome. <laughs> um, I, I think it's the best. I can't think of a more cool shot out of any film as a standalone than that. Yeah. That one just jaw dropping, you know, jaw dropping. And yeah. the fact that that wasn't CGI, you know, the, the shrapnel yeah. and stuff makes it that much better. I um, that was a highlight. My yeah. my um, my one and a half scenes. I loved the CGI of the him going through the oh, time yeah. warp and that thing. That was one I thought it was so well done. Wasn't over the top. Wasn't flashing lights all over, but I thought that was purely perfectly done, and. I also loved the sequence um, just as a note of the takeoff. I thought that was so basic and so pure. But my favorite one was the giant wave in the water. Yeah. I thought that was such a cool shot of mm-hmm. them going up, hitting the top, and then you see them like a roller coaster. You know, the wind, the the G-forces of whatever it was, was pushing them back in their chair. I thought was so cool, too. So that was my favorite one. Speaking of that wave, I, I have written here, and I just remember it so clearly. The, the f- fourth guy who's initially with them, last name is Snow, I think. There's a shot of his lifeless body in the water as they're taking off. Um, I just remember there's shots like that in this film of, like, aloneness. You know, like, you are alone. Um, Especially out there. Isolated out there where the great unknown. It's stuff like that that reminds you that they are billions of miles away from home and they are in fact alone at the the least billions and um i guess kind of going to that point when they first got on there and you saw it was all water i was so engaged at that point because i thought they were going to find the person and they're walking around in the water i'm like this person has to be somewhere and then they realize it's under the water and you see that giant wave you're like they're in for a rough ride coming ahead. I thought that was such a cool, like suspenseful scene right there. And that was one of my my favorite ones in terms of the suspense of what you felt. Because it was the first time. You don't know what you're expecting for the rest of the film of if they're going to find some of these people or not. And, and I was really engaged. Yeah, it's like you realize like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, yeah. But but along those lines, when they realize that, that, that uh, Explorer is dead... Anne Hathaway says that because of the the time difference, the co- time conundrum in which like an hour down there is seven years on Earth, they realize that that explorer probably died minutes ago, even though they took off 10 years prior. Yep. And it's not that much, it's not that difficult to wrap your head around, but that moment articulates that, that time issue so perfectly. Mm-hmm. And you're like, holy crap, like, that's wild. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> like, that's the best way to put it. That's yeah, wild. And I don't know if one of them yeah. broke down or you just felt their emotion, but they're like, I think it was Anne. They're like, we missed him by minutes. Mm-hmm. And then McConaughey, his face yep. just kind of goes a little pale because you know what that meant to him. And I remember thinking if they would have done this trip sooner, <laughs> like they may have been able to save that individual or find that person, you oh, know, yeah. which oh, is yeah. nuts even because head, they took you, off you 10 years ago. Goes. Yeah. Makes your head spin. Yeah. But one other thing I'd highlight is this film in general targets, you know, obviously exploration, love, emotion. There is one other thing I've written here in my notes, literally titled Holy Fuck Theme. And uh, (laughs) it goes, um, when they're on Miller's planet, the one with all of the water that you were just talking about, um, that taking seven years for one hour, basically, 
that's a complete distraction. It completely derails them from the journey. It's really a killer, right? It's a complete buzzkill to their entire purpose. And when Matthew McConaughey gets back on the endurance, he sees the shots or the videos from his son and daughter for like 23 years or whatever. He realizes everything that he had missed because of that little blunder and that little distraction. And may I say it was all Anne Hathaway's fault. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck that. That character. I, that just made me so mad. It, it really did. It, it made me infuriated as well. And like, but so clearly it takes the concept of like distractions derailing you from important things in life and how time is valuable. Like you can't come up with a more obvious example of the importance of time than literally that scene where they waste 23 years for Anne Hathaway's stupid decision, basically. And you sit there emotionally disheartened watching Matthew McConaughey cry as he watches his his children. Literally life passing him by in front of his eyes. And I just... Yeah. And, yeah. And, so, and so that's another theme that it explores is this time and how important yeah. time and is. A small, and a small, another yeah. small, very small, and it might just be, well, it might be a small bit throughout, but especially in that point, the guy who was left on there on the, the for 23 yeah. years on the ship, he lost hope. Romilly, I think yeah. hope in that specific thing, because he said, I put myself to sleep because I lost hope. He didn't, he didn't stay up. He put himself in the cryogen yeah. or what, I don't know what it, the, the tube yeah, was. he's got the gray yeah. hair i mean his hope yeah. was gone of them returning at all and that was um that was powerful knowing yeah. that time difference of 23 years and the hope that was completely lost because yeah he clearly yeah. aged physically yeah. just uh, i mean time he put himself in yeah. that, that thing multiple he's, times to sleep because he ha- didn't think they'd come back it's crazy how he, he brought kind of all these and I, I remember there's a, a matthew kane or michael kane quote he goes I think it's him. No, maybe not, actually. Someone goes, you know, I don't fear death. I'm afraid of time. And I think it was Michael Caine. And it just hits home kind of that theme of, like, time is limited. Um, yeah, and and this film too. can't portray that more more transparently. Isn't that perfect? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His mind yeah. going there. Just crazy. So, all right. Let's let's um, let's go to let's go to some acting here. I, I have, like, a, a few okay. points and certainly a, a conversation. I mean, Matthew McConaughey, I already said it. He's my starting my man crush right here so unbelievable there i think michael kane especially on his deathbed so powerful and he did well throughout yep. i don't know if he was on there enough to have a huge impact but that death scene especially finding out that he lied about that uh formula that oh, he yeah. already fixed and knowing the you know, the humans i mean that that's that poses a serious moral question of just in general life of what he did there and it's moral a moral dilemma, dilemma. Do you, did he do the right thing by trying to save the human race well but at the same time his decision did save the human race because they were able to solve the equation that he thought he solved but see the thing is going into their takeoff and why matthew went is because he thought he could save the planet earth which in fact michael kane knew at that point he couldn't so he was only doing it right. for the fertilized eggs in the ship which, yeah, poses a huge question of was it not only morally correct, but just in general, was that a logical thing to do? Because I kind of posed a question here as well. Do you think McConaughey would go knowing that his calculation planet Earth no. would be? See, because he wouldn't leave his kids to die. If he could bring his kids with him, 
Yeah, I think he'd go. Yeah, that that's fair. Wouldn't leave his kids. So so to answer your question, there's like what'd you say? There's the moral Moral, question, and then then the the logical. logical. I I think it's kind of logical. They're trying to get these eggs, these fertilized eggs, to a new planet to save the human race. Logic doesn't justify it, but on the moral side, I think it's it's disgusting actually, because he's literally taking a man's existing Matthew McConaughey's existing emotions and lying directly on them, and it's not just a, a tiny lie. This is. He's never going to see his it's kids again. Lie. <laughs> yeah, it it's pure. And it, it, yeah, but it's not just manipulation again to do something. It, it's manipulating his yeah. emotions oh, yeah. to get it done, to have which him is go. the and, most messed up. It's just kind of go back to yeah. the logic of he is the only pilot with actual experience. So that goes back to the logic. Like, do some of these other trained pilots who don't have field experience, will they make it? probably not as good of a chance as he would so there the law there's the logic of of lying to him as well but that moral dilemma especially on his deathbed with that scene you're like he really just botched that hard especially for how murph was taking it up until that point she didn't send any videos she hated i would say hated his guts more or less for leaving and then that comes on it and then she she, slight change of heart there to to try to save him Mm -hmm. so along those lines of like, what would you do? Uh, or like, did he do the right thing? Matt Damon's decision in this film, when he realizes that his planet sucks, to say that it's great to be saved. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. That whole sequence. Okay. I mean, you said you had a problem with it earlier, but like your whole thought, I want on thoughts of that because that's a that's a transformational scene in yeah. this movie, so, I think at least. I'll, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll talk about that. And it kind of plays into my hot take. So so my hot take for this film is fucking awful sequence for Matt Damon. I think him I think him <laughs> being in there, that whole sequence is completely useless and a waste of time because this film was almost three hours. It was two fifty. And that's pushing it for anyone to sit for a film. And you have this 20, 25 minute sequence in there, and it goes exactly against what this film was saying. This film was about love science even but family and matt damon is over here bringing in the human race and how we strive to not die strive to continue our existence in whatever way possible which goes exactly against matthew mcconaughey and him risking death multiple times for the love of his family rather than trying to take the easy way out because matt damon he sends out that signal because he wants to get saved he says i thought i was ready to die when i first went into orbit and then i got here and i realized i didn't want to die i wanted to be saved and that goes to you know human existence and our strive and i thought it was so off base for the film i hated it <laughs> tell us how you that's really my feel. hot take i think no. <laughs> this film would be i would say perfect with those small little my personal things if you take this whole matt damon aspect out of it I think you had the perfect film to watch. So, I mean, I'll agree with you. I hate. I mean, you hate his guts, that but I hate the whole sequence. sequence. But I don't hate it because I don't think it belongs. I, I think it has an important place here because it's it's an important reminder of the natural tendency and selfish nature of the human race. If you were to watch this movie. And just see Matthew McGonaghy's character, his selflessness, you know, throughout this and the sacrifices that he makes. 
that's a romanticized view and I think rather unrealistic. And I think throwing Matt Damon's character in here to kind of show you that there is someone with a bad bone in this lot, especially since I think man was the guy who led the other 10 to the other planets. It's like the highest of the high falls the most, you know, I think it's an important contrast an important reminder that, I mean, aside from it obviously causing an issue, I mean, if if they didn't go to that planet, they could have gone to Edmonds and maybe that would have worked out. But either way, they would have had enough fuel to get home. Thus, they wouldn't have had to go into well, the black is, hole. Edmonds would have you know, worked it out. Sets up. That's where they. That's where she ends up going. It was a right. perfect planet. But 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 then Matthew McConaughey couldn't have gotten back home because they, he wouldn't have needed to go into the black hole. That's you see true. what I'm saying? Like they wouldn't have solved the equation. So like. It tees it up in that literal sense, but I think it's an important contrast because, I mean, I literally write in here, I'm like, freaking Matt Damon, bad guy always, you know, I'm like the departed. I, I think he's, ah, whatever, you know, I have d- different comments on Matt Damon, but we'll save those for like the Bourne s- series or whatever, but I just think it's a good contrast. I think it, it reminds you that it's not rosy. It's not romanticized. People do suck at times. Um, and it's the very people who could be helping you that could derail the whole thing. But I hear what you're saying. It's a terrible. I, I, I honestly hate it. Like, to me, eh. it is top two or three film of all time. If you take out that sequence in my eyes for for wow. what it is, because it would be so high on my list. But I think it would cut down the time of the film no question and it it just didn't have a place i mean i understand your your thought about seeing the human race and clearly that's the only thing i thought that that piece did but if one you could cut it down two it didn't have to be that out there i guess that aspect of it of the whole planet of matt damon and may, may i just throw out that the the black guy it's a it's unfortunate because I liked him and they just kind of blew him up. I thought he could have been in it more. I thought I liked his character. I thought he was I thought he was soft spoken. I thought he was good. I I wasn't I wasn't that happy that it was just Anne and McConaughey who went down on the water planet, and I guess the other guy Rob, died. Yeah, I guess some guy had to do. But his death is just so. I that's yeah. another portion. I don't know why Matt Damon did that. There's no rhyme or reason why he had to blow up the whole space station. But he knew he was lying. McConaughey knew he was lying. They were going to find out anyway. Why did you have to blow it up? Expl- I thought- the data. The robot had his robot had all the data or the faked data. I think that's far. Because if 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 if, if Matthew McConaughey died, anyways, in and of itself. But I thought I thought it was just so sad for him to die because I felt like he was going to be a good main like mainer character, and yeah, mm-hmm. and he just like I, I I wasn't that happy with his death. He's a really good guy in this film. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's not a great actor. Lot, which is so I mean, sad. and they just they just throw him out there just to just to eat dirt after the explosion, which is just oh, terrible. One interesting thing, and I think it, it lends to the point of like this sequence is there to explore kind of the the natural tendency of of human emotion in its pure form, the good and the bad, is when Matt Damon gets pulled out of the hibernation thing, he instantly like clings to Matthew McConaughey for the, you know? for the emotion or the uh, human contact, the human yeah. touch, the human touch. It's like humans are wired in a way that requires interaction. And so what they did, it really makes you think of the sacrifice that those individuals would be taking to go to a planet yep. alone. And, and I'm not going to say I, alone I, knowing you're going to die. I'm not gonna say I argue Cause I don't think you're arguing this, but a point that also didn't, that, well, a point that also to me didn't link up for for Matt Damon's sequences, 
he had that human emotional aspect and then he was perfectly fine blowing everything up killing all those people to take the ship to go raise a new colony by himself for the next who knows how long that takes to raise. So he was fine without the human interaction, which I thought was a little contradicting. I know you'll have the humans when they actually are, you know, raised from the fertilized eggs, but you're talking about, you know, a good time frame of you being the only person there. So I thought it was, I just, I hated it so much. I thought it was such a waste of time. I'm sorry, Christopher Nolan, but no, no, (laughs) it was going to be so (laughs) wonderful without it. And you're right, Matt Damon, I, mean, I hated him. I I kind of, I had a slight expectation of something was going to go wrong. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. It had to. But, I mean, Matt Damon was a good character to play it. Because, to me, Matt Damon is a guy who's kind of soft-spoken. And he plays a great villain or great bad guy because he doesn't look like one. His face is kind of like a, it's an easy face to look at. It's kind of a little, I wouldn't say happier, but... Really punchable. Yeah. And then, the way that he goes about doing these bad things is just easy. It flows and you like, sometimes you don't really fully see it coming or what his plan is. So he, he played it well. I just hated him and the character and that whole 30, 25 minute sequence I thought was just God awful. Yeah. And I wish it wasn't there because I think it would be, you know, again, top three, maybe top five. I think it's, I think it's up there with Shawshank <laughs> in terms of how people love it. If you take it out to me, I don't know if other people feel that way. The only thing I'll say is like, that's fair. Like, I I hate the sequence, but I think it adds value to this film. But where does the value start going down? You really latch on to things and and just like unleash your wrath on the rating because of one one 15-minute sequence out of a three-hour film. I'm pretty sure it was like 25 (laughs) minutes or 30 minutes. And compared to what the film was trying to teach and show and be about, I think it's a necessary counter to that, and though, or else it would be romanticized and unrealistic. I, I don't think you so. You need because, bad actors like that because you that's see, pr- practical. You see McConaughey know what he's getting into, especially the fact after he wastes 23 years on that water planet, you know what's in his mind of he made a mistake. He hates Anne Hathaway right now. He wants to go home. You know that's the fact. So I don't see why they couldn't have moments like that in the, you know, in him and Anne Hathaway and the other two guys rather than have this Matt Damon planet. I also am going to point out what I also thought was just out of left field was somehow, some way, Anne Hathaway loves this Mars guy who went to that second planet. That was so... I thought that was really poor writing. I just didn't like the whole... Edmonds. You never have... You never have any knowledge that Anne Hathaway is in love with this guy who went out to space. And all of a sudden, they're sitting... You're wrong. When when do they say that Anne Hathaway is in love with this guy? So, you know that she is when they're in the conference room and it shows the 10 bravest on the wall. And she makes a comment about Edmonds specifically. And you know... What, because he led the team or something? No, I think man led the team. Oh, man led... She makes a comment about Edmonds specifically. Maybe Edmonds. Did Do you remember what it was? I don't what it was about because unless it said, unless she said, "I deeply felt for this man" or something along those lines. She made an offhanded comment that was very flattering and complimentary about him specifically. And you, I remember sitting there. I think I actually have it in my notes. Where you're like, okay, like Biggest there's trash love there. <laughs> I'm sure Oscar the Grouch would love how much trash. But I once again, that, that, that it throws was. in such an important element to this film is 
Matthew, you, you can't ding her. Matthew McConaughey is chasing his children in, in an emotional way. And, and, and she's chasing him in an emotional way. And Matt Damon, you know, it's, it's, it's where emotions meet science and having to, having to define your decisions in a logical versus emotional way. That's fair. So once a month, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to do a guest speaker. This month's special guest here is Mike. Mike, come on and join us on here. Mike, how's it going? Good, Justin. How are you? Good. We're excited to have you. Oh, we, glad we've, to be uh, here. We've been looking to spice it up with some uh, some external takes other than our little dubious talk. So what, what are your thoughts on the film? I want to hear a high level. What are you thinking? Well, it was a quite entertaining movie. <laughs> had a lot going for it. Drew some emotion towards it. But at times left a few pieces uh, kind of out there. And uh, You're and, one of those. And I got the oh, sense boy. that it uh, threw it all together at the end. Tried to hurl it all at the end. Now, Mike, we were talking about the Matt Damon sequence on the planet, him exploding and all that stuff. What did you think of that? I want your take of if you agree with me and I think it's God awful or you agree with Justin here. And please agree with me because I need a win. I haven't won yet. Well, I'd have to um, I'd have to side with Matthew on this one in that uh, not quite sure the overall relevance of having Matt Damon in the movie. Why? I just think he was thrown out in from left field and came in with, I guess, some sort of point to prove. He was there to kind of show that rather than there be ties to people, that he actually had that survival instinct that was stronger than anything else. You know, in the time where a lot of the feeling of the movie was about love driving you home and tr love bringing you back. Uh, Matt Damon just didn't seem to have any of that. And he was kind of just, you can tell, was there just for the, uh, just for that instinct for survival that mankind has. See, see, but I, my, my pushback to that was that it's an important counter to the, the rosy, happy you know romanticized emotion that matthew mcconaughey and hathaway all of these people communicate it, it kind of brings you down to earth in that you realize that like there are bad actors right there will always be a bad actor and how in terms of you know bad actor not like matt damon but you know personality and people who think for themselves before the greater mission and i think it brings you down to earth um and shows an important like side to human nature that is kind of ignored in this film and that like yeah, like there can be people who stand as roadblocks in your own individual journey. And I, I think he functions in that role perfectly. Well, I mean, to counter that, you had the Michael Caine role where he was looking beyond and wasn't as interested in love nearly as much as he was in making sure that the human race survived at any cost, including sacrificing the main character's life who had a draw to be around his family. And I think that's a the that's wonderful fair. point there. I think that almost is the aspect that I would have liked more rather than the human instinct out of left field that Matt Damon had of survival, where this guy at least thought logically about saving the planet and the people on it and trying to do what he had to do rather than Matt Damon, because you know, Mike summed it up perfectly. It was about love. It was about family. And it came out of nowhere. I might be losing this battle here between the two of you, honestly. 
Well, I'll let you. I'll let you lick your wounds for a second, and then jump into <laughs> why Anne Hathaway was totally unbelievable in that movie. And from where, from my, what I mean by that is unbelievable. You didn't think she did a good job. I had no connection towards Anne Hathaway in this movie at all. I did actually have a comment on this because the only thing that I know her from is The Princess Diaries, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I mean. Okay, film, whatever you want to call it. That but, was uh, believable. So you didn't think she did a good job? No, I, I just, uh, you know, you look to connect with a character in the movie and, and with all of them, and I just didn't see her draw. She wasn't drawing me into her character. I think her as a actress, you either love her or you hate her, and I am really leaning towards hating her. I don't think there's a middle ground here. I think she did a poor job of showing her emotions of the aspect. When she said she loved the guy... I didn't feel it. I think she said, say this line and do it. And she just said it with no emotion. I thought it was poor. I, I don't like her. I think she's awful in most films that she's in. Do you think she was cast for that purpose, though? To kind of have a emotionless explorer as a counter to the... Like, Matthew McConaughey is, is, has a lot of intense emotion, emotional sequences in this film. Do you think that it was designed in that way to kind of show a more strict interpretation of exploration. I, I don't know. I, I don't disagree with you, actually. But I'm trying to, if you're, like, what's the motive behind that if you're Christopher Nolan here, you know? Well, I'm sure I mean, there's more. movies where the character has a, there's an intention for the character and the actor just wasn't able to bring it out. I think this might be right. one of those cases. They were even trying to develop a, a chemistry between her and Matthew McConaughey, and I didn't see that. And then you, then, I mean, the whole... That's another thing they threw in from left field, that love connection between Anne Hathaway and the guy out on that planet. I mean, it was all of a sudden, it's all of a sudden, oh, I loved him. What? What? Where did that? Micah, I want to thank you for teaming up on Justin here with me. I really do appreciate it. This isn't going well. I don't like how this is going. Usually I tell him. This is where Matt has him in the headlock, gives me the tag, and I come drop an iron elbow on him. What did you like about the film then? I think Matthew McConaughey did a really good job. I think... The character development on his part and his daughter, too. I mean, my heart went out to her and the anguish that she had trapped in all those years, you know, all in the pursuit of finding a way for her dad to come back only to find out that her uh, mentor never had any intention of having him come back. I mean, that was that was really well developed uh, and drew me in considerably. So, yeah, from that standpoint, I also tried to get outside of myself in order to really grasp the concept of the movie, which was really, you know, at times you really cerebral. You really had to think in terms of, you know, how gravity and time worked and and even suspending the real the reality factor. Uh, they did a really good job. I, I kind of got engrossed in it. Left a few things hanging. Like I said, I, I think they just tried to n tie it up in a neat bow at the end. And it almost seemed like they were running out of time and just threw all this stuff together. You know, how the time spectrum falled in. How that, how all of time zeroed in on the library room in the house. Of all the places on Earth or in the universe, it seemed like that was the center, what, of, oh, the, the bookshelf. center of the universe through time. Uh, I didn't quite grasp that. And then even uh, the, how they ended up, I would imagine it was Saturn or maybe that little hole off of Saturn that they ended up in at the very end. Uh, it just seemed like it just like, oh, we're running out of time. Pull it all together. Okay. 
So, Mike, was there a a favorite clip or scene in the film that you thought was just superb? Boy, one of the moments that really grabbed me, I think, was when the daughter was talking to the talking to the videotape uh, towards the end when she was kind of just reaching out and, and showing her heart spring, strings to her dad. And imagine doing that, not even knowing if he's ever going to get it. Uh, that really grabbed me and really just the whole, you know, thing of was he, did he really leave knowing that he wouldn't come back and, and that angst in her, that, that was the part that I think drew me in the most. An interesting question for you is like, Mike, you yourself being a father, do you think that it gave you a unique emotional connection to this film um, through Matthew McConaughey's character? Like, did you feel for him in a unique way, you think? Yeah, um, as a father myself, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, you're dry. Well, I mean, I wouldn't even just correlate it to a career, but he certainly had a drive and he had to wrestle that with the family, you know, and, and w which way do you go with it? Which one do you emphasize and how do you balance the two, I think, was a delicate subject matter that they dealt with in this movie. All right, Mike, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Movie Ticket Monday. Uh, some great points, and I appreciate you agreeing with me. Um, it's been pretty much the entire time that I haven't won, and I think I, I won this. So I uh, thank you for taking the time again. Next time, we'll have uh, next month, we'll have another guest speaker to give their thoughts on the film. So getting back here, Justin. I hate how you two are in agreement on this. Well, you know what? Say, Someone had to some agree bullshit. with me with something that I throw out on, on the podcast here. I, I really thank the the first guest speaker, uh, Mike, again, for agreeing with me, which means I'm not alone in, in the, the thought process here. So I don't know. Now you have to think, is my hot take really a hot take? If, you know, the one other person agrees with me, probably, but nonetheless, <laughs> thought-provoking so yeah i mean this might be your first one I that know. you have some backup for and uh i don't like i don't like it going down like this i like i like you giving your destroying hot destroying me, me you like it like, i know well yep, that's a crock of, of shit now. <laughs> but i thought overall the acting was great uh, may i just say i loved tars the voice actor who did it yes yeah haven't we yeah. talked about and, tars and to yet? me so i'm gonna yeah. make a correlation to me my favorite uh, I guess non-human character in any film is K2SO from Rogue One. This yes. guy is at his level and maybe even slightly overtakes him in terms of his funny, cheeky, yep. and just kind of that android type of creation. For and it ha there's, there's an emotional connection there, even though it's not designed that way. Tars is a character, and when like he goes into the black hole and it disconnects and it's like a character might be dying and it's just a robot. And the fact that they could do that is like pretty, pretty solid, you know? Yeah. And, and you're right. Testament to the voice actor. Yeah. Yeah. Considering I, I liked him more than anyone, but, mm -hmm. uh, but Matthew McConaughey. So he was up there on my list of just entertaining. He, he brought right. the little small comedy aspect to it now and again, which I thought was funny. You know, when he said, you know, the 90% truth, the 100% truth type of stuff I thought was funny. I enjoyed that. So I thought he did a wonderful job. And it was a great little second character to everything that was going on. And to me, almost brought a singular kind of point that, that stuck them all together because he was, he was there 
without right. any sort of opinion on matters and just did what he was told. And they could yeah. all rely on yeah. him for whatever I needed agree. to be done. Let's go back to Anne Hathaway for a second. It, it rang a bell with me. I, I don't think she, I think she has this really unique acting style. Um, kind of like a Brad Pitt we've talked about on this podcast before where like, I, I can't, I can't tell if he's good or bad. He, he might suck or it's just how he does it. And it's, is he casted correctly? And I still don't know. See, I, I think to me, the best parallel for me is Dark Knight Rises where she was the role of the Catwoman in. And I thought she did you a didn't think she did job well. in that as well. Well, evaluate that I did next. not. I think it was the exact same type of acting. I, I think that's her style. I thought yeah. it was kind of dry. But, but to me, that's not good acting. That is not... I mean, I think you could get you know, a good handful of people in the world to come up and do something similar. I mean, she didn't show any emotion when she said, I love this guy. I mean, none. Her face was completely blank. I thought, I just thought she, I don't think she can play. But the counter to that, and this is an emotional role. I don't know if her role needed to have emotion. She's the only other person who survives. I think it has to. After her botching so hard, the water planet and all, all i know you have to you have to have something for acting you can't just be flat-faced and just i felt like she was just saying her lines i didn't think she was trying to be the character which you can see right through and i i saw through it i mean i'm not i'm not going to jump to defend her because i don't think she's that great of an actress as as it is but i, I don't think that she erodes the quality of this film in any i way. don't either Clearly. That's right, job. I, I think she does a little bit, but I don't think she does an, enough eroding that she could because, for whatever reason, her characters honestly is not in it a ton. She doesn't have a lot of moments herself in this film, and I think that's why it doesn't. I don't think any off of it. I just wanted to point out. I don't think she does well. If she was in it more and she had more screen time, I would definitely deduct for her aspect because. That's, That's part fair. of it. That's yep. part of what a film is. And just because she wasn't in it enough, I don't actually deduct myself. But so, I, I don't think she did well at all for when she was in it. If such a gear is it, if you're Matthew McConaughey, are, are you leaving your kids? In that, if you're talking that period, you know, set, six billion people died. They're starving. You know they're going to die and you're their last hope. I, I would like to think I would absolutely go. Now, going back to the point of if he knew that the planet could never be saved and he was going out to find a new planet for the fertilized egg colony. I don't know if many people would go. I agree. Yep. See, that's why, that's why this film's good though, is it, it gives you those conundrums. I mean, the, the Michael Caine one is shitty, but letting the human race continue is an important concept to discuss, you know? And so it puts you in these interesting philosophical positions. If you're, if you're Dr. Man and you realize your planet is useless, but you can live here alone, you can't have a colony, but like you're still alive, are you going to let yourself die or are you going to try and save yourself? You know, there's so many of those sort. I mean, that one's hopefully a little bit more obvious, but if you're put in that moment of isolation, maybe you do the same thing that he did, you know? And that's why I like this film a lot, you know, as an extension is it puts you in these like really, really tough positions that make you really, really analyze human nature and how you would act. Um, under these scenarios i don't think the dr man one you could even come close to yeah i, I don't think for that one you could ever come up with a uh, one way or the other because you will never 
hopefully. And to date, you have never been in a position that will remotely come close to anything like that. Being billions of light. But it makes away. you think. Yeah. It makes you think. It, it does. I still think it was a trash sequence yeah. of 30 minutes of Matt Damon. But, you know, personal preference. So that's my hot take. Honestly, I'm I'm not fully surprised that you're not fully drilling me because I can see most people having some sort of problem with that. I hate that scene. It's it's gross. I just feel disgusting every time I watch it. That's because you so, hate every aspect of Matt Damon. But I think plan. it adds value. But to me, to me, I think that's my hot take. But to further that, I do honestly think it's top three. I maybe I can I can maybe logically say top five, stepping back of all time because it's an unbelievable film. Especially after the fact, you talk about the, how the um, CGI and the yeah. physicists they brought on, and that makes it so much better of of real life, true, and it's not just a movie. They're talking about everything we know about yeah. the outer world, if outer you space, really black holes. Think about how difficult it's got to be to direct a film like this. Aside from all of the research, the script, everything like that, even just the editing phase of being able to paste all of these shots together in a way that creates a perfectly uniform sequence over three hours, mm-hmm. it's it's just it's so freaking impressive uh, to be able to do that, and it. it it's mo- it's movies like this that make me appreciate it more and more. Absolutely. Especially I, the director. I, I, I mean the I sound. The sound, man. This film It's rewatchable just for the sound. Yeah, this film would not be where I rank it if it wasn't for the sound. I, I would agree. I would yeah. agree. So any final thoughts? Unless you want to go another direction. We can keep no, going. no. I, I was gonna I was gonna ask your your final number of what you would give this film. Yeah. Uh nine point five. Out of time. I'm right up there. Yeah. Um, I'm not that high, but I would say truthfully, if, if, if we're not going the 0.5 system, I would say maybe an 8.3, 8.4, but I'm going to round it up to an 8.5 just for the sole fact that that's what we've been doing. And I think if they take that aspect of Matt Damon out and maybe answer one of those little questions I had in between there, you're easily at a 9.5, no question. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't even think. Most films, there's like a moment that I could be like, ah, oh, like, nah, screw that part. I really can't come up with one here. Um, Other than Matt Damon, I can't either. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate that sequence. It has I mean, it, it. Even yeah. the ending of this film wraps up perfectly. I mean, Matthew McConaughey realizes that there's nothing for him on their little new inhabitable space station. Does he go somewhere else? Where did, what, yeah, it ends with him going to find Anne Hathaway on that new planet. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's kind of how this film had to end. It, it was a perfect ending. That's right, actually. It's the I best way to wrap this up. I talked about the ending. You're, you're right. You're right. And Anne Hathaway got to bury, I assume bury, the, the guy she loved, yeah. which, again, I think was complete trash, but I guess good for her. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, I think, uh, and yeah, I yeah. assume that's where they start the colony. End to end, the music, the acting, the, like, Christopher Nolan is a thinker, and you know that with this film. And by extension, it makes you think hard. And so, and going off of that, I love how he makes you think and ties things and kind of. Honestly, most times I don't like open ended aspects of films. I kind of like closure of some sort, but I'm perfectly fine with how he directs films and how he progresses them of having some sort of maybe leaning away, but I'm okay having a little open because yeah. his films are for discussion throughout, which is a whole lot better than having a good film with no discussion base and then all of a sudden leaving it completely open-ended of you know if someone died or 
whatever it happens to be. I think those are poor. Yeah. But I think Chris Nolan does a perfect job with that. He covers the spectrum. I'm crying during this film. I'm excited. Laughed. You yeah. laugh. I mean, it's, it's, it's the best adventure movie I've ever seen, I think. It's the best space movie I've ever seen. Um, I, I love it. I love it. Love it. Yeah. I, I second that, yeah. So thank you for joining us on Movie Ticket Monday. Next time, we will be doing No Country for Old Men. So join us and uh, everyone take care and stay classy.